everybody, it's Krista. Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that this was recorded pre-COVID. So if you hear us talking about travel or being in the same room together, things like that, not to worry, this was all pre-lockdown. So thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Technology often makes our lives easier, but if you live with type 1 diabetes, it can also seem really overwhelming. From insulin pumps to CGMs and even do-it-yourself solutions, there are so many technologies that it's hard to know how to make the right decision for you. I'm Krista Lamb, and today on the Diabetes Canada podcast, I'm talking to Dr. Michael Riddell from York University about technology and type 1 diabetes. Welcome, Dr. Riddell. Hi, Krista. Thanks for coming up today. Nice to see you. It's great to be here. And so I guess the first thing we should talk about is people with type 1 are pretty familiar with insulin pumps. They're starting to get really familiar with CGMs. But it seems like there's been this explosion of technology in the last few years. And so if you were talking to someone with type 1, what would you sort of tell them about all these new technologies? Yeah, it can be very overwhelming, particularly if you're recently diagnosed with type 1, but with what's available. We have uh, smart pens emerging now that can record the insulin dosing in an app, which is kind of neat because sometimes you might take a shot but forget you've taken it. So we have uh, continuous glucose monitors which are implanted through the skin allowing the glucose information to be collected uh, uh, almost minute by minute and then that data can be stored in a cloud and it can help inform decision making around medications that you can be on, it can be broadcast to a watch so you can see your glucose while you're writing an exam or driving, which is amazing. So there's so many things that are in evolution right now. Glucose sensing, smart pens, uh, you know, even analytics of the data, which can be quite overwhelming. So there's a lot that's emerging. And I mean, it's something where I feel like um, I spoke to someone recently and they talked about how when their child was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, they handed them a glucometer and said, here you go. And she was like, no, this this is just so, it seems so archaic, which this isn't there yeah. something else? They, and now it seems like we've kind of gone almost in the opposite where there's yeah. so many choices that people have to make. And yeah. it's a really personal decision about what works for yes. you. Yeah, I agree. You know, used to, when I was diagnosed some... Um, Almost 40 years ago now, it was a urine dipstick and maybe a glucose meter that you had to wait two minutes just to get the data on. And that was just one snapshot point in time. And I must admit that I didn't test my blood sugar all that often. Now, we can be overwhelmed by how much data we're exposed to our own data. And I guess, in a way, that's an advantage, but in a way, that can be a disadvantage because it can be overwhelming to get all this data and see all your mistakes all the time if you can't get it quite right. But I do think overall it's a good it's a good evolution of technology for us living with type one. And you work mainly um, in the area of exercise and type one diabetes, which is really interesting because we've talked before about how this has been really revolutionary for people that are maybe doing a lot of exercise or want to be you know professional athletes. All of this mm-hmm. sort of thing. When yeah. you have the ability to have this technology, it can be really really helpful. And so, are you seeing with some of the people who you work with who are athletes that they're really embracing some of this technology? I think a lot of athletes are, are certainly embracing the technology, not, not all, but some. I think you know, exercise can make your blood sugar change pretty darn quickly. I think, I think exercise, some, some meals, some forms of stress can really make blood sugar drop or, or go up. And I think many athletes are trying to get a handle on what types of exercise makes them drop, how do they prevent the drop, why does competition stress sometimes make their sugar rise. And having, having a wearable that can show you 
and maybe teach of those trends is really valuable for athletes. And we've got athletes now who get that data on maybe on their iPhone, on a receiver, maybe even on a cycling computer so they can see while they're doing the exercise if they need to change their treatment. And we've got papers coming out where some of the top athletes in the world with diabetes are using this technology to, to better fine-tune their control. And I think it's really interesting because, I mean, for someone who's not an athlete even, it can be really interesting. And I know um, there was recently the article in The Walrus about the DIY technologies that have become a very big deal as well. And you were in that article talking about, you know, um, these new closed-loop technologies that are sort of... Um, people, the average person is sort of taking their own citizen science and making their own closed loop systems based on uh, what they're learning. And, and so can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, the term closed loop means that the insulin pump is using information from the glucose sensor and some built-in algorithms to fine-tune the insulin delivery throughout the day. And it's really interesting to see how these types of systems can drop the basal insulin to near nothing for hours if you're doing exercise and then it ramps it up automatically when you're finished exercise and, and uh, the blood sugar starts to rise. Now it doesn't mean that you you still have to count your carbs and bolus insulin but the closed loop element is just fine-tuning that insulin delivery during sleep, during exercise, in between uh, meals. It's really incredible and we're really learning a lot about how the body's insulin needs can change minute by minute based on what we're doing. If you go for a walk after a meal, you need way less insulin in circulation compared to if you're just sedentary on the couch. And so that, that's been really eye-opening for a lot of us who've been experimenting with these systems either personally or in research studies. And so the ones that are sort of do-it-yourself, yeah. those are the ones where people are actually creating their own systems mm -hmm. um, and they're figuring out how to do it themselves. Yeah, it sounds really underground and almost yeah. illegal, but because it's not Health Canada approved, we have to be pretty cautious about yeah. these types of technologies. But it is technically possible to use an Omnipod or an older Medtronic pump and to get the algorithms on the internet Use the CGM that you can purchase uh, or, and, and get these things running. It's not easy though. And there's no, there's no real support line that you can call. So people are reaching out to people they don't even know on Facebook who aren't licensed to get help. I'm not saying that shouldn't happen. It, it is happening. Uh, but I'm a, bit, I'm a bit worried about it because there's just not the support there. And there's not the... I think we need to have systems that are easier to install we can call uh, certified diabetes educators to help us. That's just not existing with the DYI uh, community, but but it's happening. It's happening, and believe me, I've tried everything. And <laughs> you know, I've got a kid with diabetes, and sometimes I'll try to get him to try stuff too. I just wish it was better supported. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that people, um, when you talk about the uh, do-it-yourself community, they're doing something that you know they're basically saying we're not waiting. Right. We figured this out. Yeah. We're going to support each other in doing it. Yeah. However, if something goes wrong, there's no one you can really call. Like you can't call the one eight hundred line and get a right. support person to help you because your sensor doesn't right. work. But you reach out. You reach out yeah. on Facebook, and hopefully someone's awake and doesn't mind helping you. They're not a certified diabetes educator, but they're certainly experienced. Yeah. And they know the code and they know the challenges of these DYI systems. So I've been saved on Facebook, I yeah. have to admit, by some of these people. They're incredible giving their time to the, to the community. Yeah. But it'll get better when these things are more above board and easily more downloadable and accessible and 
Yeah, and we are starting to see um, Health Canada approved ones come to the market. Yeah, we've yeah. had one in Canada now, and we're yeah. going to see um, hopefully more as we see more and more of them approved around the, the world and the U.S. Places. and other places. And so I think it's just uh, a matter of time. And it's again something that you know for some people they're still using injections, and that's completely fine if yeah. that's the best thing for you. Um, I believe. Absolutely. We've got some of the top athletes in the world who are competing in NHL hockey games to uh, professional cycling on needles. And as long as they have CGM, I think that's totally fine because that CGM still allows them to, uh, to, to treat a low before it really gets too severe or maybe predicts the low is going to happen and, and treat with carbohydrates or... You know, I think that that's, I think needles are totally fine. If you want to try a pump, then I think that's the next evolution for many people. And if they, if they like it, it sticks. If they don't like it, they go back to needles. As long as they have CGM, I think that's still absolutely fine. Yeah, it was interesting because the more people I talk to, some people don't like having, you know, the tube technology. Yeah, they yeah. don't like having something attached yes. in that way. And I would think for someone who is an athlete, it could also be a bit um, cumbersome if right. you wanted to be. Well, we just things. finished a study that's about to be published in The Lancet that shows that shows that you can take a little bit of basal insulin by needle and wear a pump most of the time. But, but you can take that pump off for hours for sport and competition if you have a little bit of basal insulin by needle. We call this the untethered study and it's about to be published. And in many of the people who like that technology are athletes because they don't want to wear this pump and have tubing or anything attached to them when they compete and that's totally fine. Maybe just a sensor. And I find it interesting because a lot of the young people I speak to with type 1, they also feel a little bit sensitive about having, yeah. you know, something attached to yeah. them, having the tubes. And so they kind of like the idea of the CGM but not necessarily having the tube. I agree, I agree. And, yeah. and if, you, if you wear a pump, it's sometimes hard to hide that all the time. Um, especially if you're in s cycling clothes that are really tight or, you know, dance clothes or something. You'll see that pod pump even if it is a pod pump. So I understand people want to hide their diabetes. On the other hand, some of us like to share that we have diabetes. And if I see someone with a pump, even at a coffee shop, it often sparks up a conversation. It's, it's my, true. My student, or, or sorry, my uh, son... Sam noticed that his guidance counselor at school was wearing a T-Slim pump, so they started a conversation and uh, shared that they both had diabetes. So it's not all bad. You don't always have to hide it. Sometimes you can you can share. And I think it's really good that people are sharing. I love talking to people about what pump they're using, and mm -hmm. I don't have type 1, but I love... Mm -hmm you know, being part of the community and talking to people. And I think it's something that, you know, so many amazing people are living with type 1. And the more open we are, the better people manage their diabetes right. and the better people feel about themselves. And so I'm really happy whenever that happens. However, I also get that maybe you don't want tubes <laughs> and you yeah, don't want to be attached to something. you don't want to, to be reminded. You don't want tubes or pods attached to you and that you want to keep diabetes a bit of a secret to some people. And I totally get that too. And it's now, I think, getting a bit more possible with some of the smaller... Uh, devices and uh, who knows what's coming in the future. Maybe the whole pump will be implantable under the skin and you won't even see it. Well, that's we, possible. It's you know these days we don't know, we what, don't the, know. what the next uh, yeah. thing will be. I don't think you know forty years ago that you envisioned that there would be a little pod that yeah. could tell you what your blood sugar is throughout yeah, the day. Exactly. So I think there's so many things that are happening in the community that are just incredible, and mm -hmm. so hopefully they'll um, turn into something amazing. Um, so for someone who is new to these technologies though, and who is sort of deciding what they want to do. Do you have any thoughts for them? Um, you know, you're not an endocrinologist, but you, yeah. you've lived with type 1 for many, many years. Mm -hmm. You have a child with type 1. Is there any advice you give people? Um, I think that many of the 
companies that are manufacturing and distributing devices are fine to let you try devices. I think in Canada we have the opportunity of trying a few different pumps and a few different CGMs. And I think that's, it's, it's like taking a car for a test drive before you buy it. It doesn't that seem to make sense, you know, give it, a, give it a drive. So if you can get your hands on some of the technologies through the manufacturers, uh, try them out and see what you like and don't like about them and then make a decision. It's often in, in, in Ontario or in Canada, it's kind of like a four or five year commitment to a pump, usually. And so you like to see if you can test drive it first. And many of the companies do have trial periods for, for these technologies, which is nice. Yeah, especially because if you get something that you, uh, because your insurance will only cover it, uh, getting a new one every yeah. few years, yeah. and you really want to make sure it's the one that's right for you. Yeah, and um, you can do some research too and learn about what uh, people are are saying about each of the products. In general, all the pumps work pretty effectively to deliver insulin, but there are some differences in how they work and how they feel and how they're, you know, how they even charge, how they take batteries and how they integrate with CGM. So these are all things that are worth doing a bit of research on. Yeah, and I think um, as we talked about the DIY community, there's also a really active diabetes community online who can mm -hmm. talk about some of their own experiences. And one of the things that I've learned in, in having the opportunity to talk to so many people with diabetes over the, the years that I've worked in this field is that everybody's different. Yeah. And so yeah. finding what works for you may not be immediate. And again, you may not find that the technology is right for you. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think that uh, trial and error is how we often go through diabetes, including trial and error around CGMs and pumps. I think, I think uh, we need to know whether that infusion set feels right and whether that adhesive is working for you and whether that CGM is giving glucose values that are close to being true. And I think there seems to be individual differences in how we all respond physiologically and emotionally to these technologies, and it's worth experimenting. Excellent. And I wanted, to, before we wrap up, to ask you a little bit about your research, because I know you have some exciting things coming up over the next little while. Is there anything that you're particularly excited about? Because I know that you've had some really big studies at the last little while. I'm, I'm very excited about this really large exercise study that we're doing right now. Could you imagine 600 participants with type 1 diabetes exercising? Uh, with sensors, that's what we're doing. We have a large grant from the Helmsley Trust and we are looking at why is it that there's such a variable response to exercise in all its different forms. So this is a big project called the DEXI study and the DEXI study is being done in, in the US and in Canada and we're giving people sensors to wear that can monitor their exercise using wrist-worn wearables. Uh, so we, we know when they're exercising if they wear this wearable on the wrist and we know what their glucose is if they're wearing a CGM. So this DEXI study is going to be used to feed algorithms that will better inform uh, insulin pumps in closed loop systems. So we hope the engineers and the researchers will use the data to better inform their algorithms for exercise. Sometimes we need more insulin for exercise and sometimes we need less and we're trying to figure out why that is. So that, that study is underway. There's also a um, a more basic study looking at trying to improve glucagon's role during hypoglycemia. It's a drug development project. The, the, uh, the work is supported by the JDRF and again the Helmsley Trust and we're trying to make a drug that will give us a better glucagon response during, high, during low blood sugar. Because we know that during low blood sugar we just don't produce glucagon if we've been living with diabetes for a while and this drug seems to help that at least in, in some early preclinical animal models. We're now transitioning to human studies 
uh, this year and next year. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, those are all really exciting things. And I think things, um, as we're talking about with the future um, of technology and things changing so quickly, it's amazing that we're able to do these kind of studies and, and get to the next level. Yeah, we hope to. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks for coming up and visiting us here at York University. Yeah, it's fantastic to get up here. So thank you to Dr. Riddell for joining us today. And if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can send them to info at diabetes.ca. And be sure to check out diabetes.ca for more information you can use. If you liked today's show, subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. Thanks for listening.